This is Talking Dirty, Get Gardening's podcast for plant lovers. The video version is available on our Get Gardening YouTube channel, so you can head over there if you want to see our ugly mugs, and there are pictures of the plants there as well. There are full plant lists on our Twitter and Instagram at Get Gardening Now, so go check those out. But without further ado, let's start Talking Dirty. And welcome to episode 30 of Talking Dirty. That kind of rhymes. Over at East Ruston Old Vicarage, I think he's got a bit of a galanthophile glint in his eye this morning. It's Alan Edward Herbert Gray, our happy and snuggled up handsome horticulturalist. Over in Cambridgeshire on this wonderful sunny morning, we have Thordist Maria Sophia Fridrikson. I have to say you're looking a tad autumnal today in your lovely toned browns and olive greens. It looks absolutely lovely, but it belies the season because you said talking dirty and I'm going to say getting flirty because we've got not one, but we've got two fabulous galantho fools or files. <laughs> We're all a little bit overexcited today because this is the first podcast when we've invited two people along. So who knows how many hours we'll be talking, uh, particularly when we introduce our guests. They are galanthophiles. They are also just fantastic folk. So no stranger to the podcast. I think her third appearance, it's Val Iris Bourne. A galanthophile, of course, also a brilliant garden writer, an organic gardener, an all-round great gal. And also, it's like in the red corner, in the blue corner, uh, we have got Brian Ellis, who, although you've not been on the podcast, boy, oh boy, have we mentioned you a lot. And we've seen some of your beautiful pictures on the screen in the video version of the podcast as well. You are a galanthophile or, as your uh, your email signature says, a galanthophool. <laughs> Yes, there's a lot of us about, I'm afraid. <laughs> and um, Brian, do you have a middle name to bring to the party? Well, I do, and I know you'd love it to be Aloysius or something like that, but it's <laughs> Edward. <laughs> oh, another Edward. Yes. <laughs> so the reason we, we thought we would invite two guests on is so that we could just have a big old Galantha loving. Galanthophiles, obviously, lovers of snowdrops. There are plenty of you about, and this really is the season to get overexcited about snowdrops. I am, however, feeling a touch guilty because prior to commencing recording this podcast, we've been talking about the hatred of having to cut snowdrops out of the garden. And Brian, this is the first time you've cut little snowdrops entirely for our benefit. I have, I have got vases of them, containers of them. Oh, oh they're beautiful. I mean, um, we've got dozens of snowdrops around your your screen, around your room, Brian. Yes, well, the, the others are, are in pots, <laughs> like um, this dear little thing here, which is a Lagodecianus, which is a species from the Caucasus, I think, or, or around the Black Sea somewhere. I lose track because there are now about 20-odd species. Mm. And they're all, they all sort of came from that area, didn't they, Val? They did. But I think they... Eurovision Song Contest. Yes. <laughs> Mordovia, Herzegovina and all that sort of yes. stuff. Yes, yes. So we will, we will take quite the tour of your Galanthus over the next hour or so, but I would love to know how you all caught the bug. So Val, we've obviously heard and heard you talk about snowdrops and seen them in your podcast before but when yes. did when did it all start for you with snowdrops? Well, it started in the mid 90s when I was still teaching 
And I read a book by Christopher Brickell um, that mentioned a snowdrop called S. Arnott being a giant snowdrop and honey scented. And I tracked some down and bought some and I became interested in snowdrops. And there are quite a few churchyards in Oxfordshire where I was living then. So I would go to places like Dunge Chew and look at the snowdrops. And they had Plicatus there and Elwesii there, as I remember. And um, I just got interested then. And then after Primrose Warburg died, I was the Oxford um, Times and Mail gardening correspondent. And after the... Um, Primrose died, a man from the RHS invited me to go to Snow, uh, Primrose's garden in 1997. I was there at the lunch and it was a beautiful spring day. And that's when I realised um, that, that how beautiful they were. And John Grimshaw, a lovely man, gave me five or six different snowdrops. So I, I went to this snowdrop lunch at Primrose Warburg's garden. I was invited by a man, I have to say, uh, it was 20 years ago, who did not have snowdrops on his mind. There I will stop. <laughs> That's how I got into them. And I made these great big labels, wooden labels with the names on, and I hammered them in the ground, and I could send you a picture of this. And um, my best beloved, Joe said they were like tombstones. <laughs> that was my introduction. I started off with about eight in 1997. So it's the mid-90s for Val. Brian, when did uh, your Galantha philia begin? Well, it was, it was only very shortly after that, I think, Val, because mm. we're members of all sorts of gardening clubs. And one visit that the... Suffolk Cottage Garden Society, I think it was, did, was to go to Rod Leeds Garden. Now, Rod Leeds is an absolutely yeah. amazing plantsman. Mm. Rod and Jane are lovely. And we were supposed to be going to see his fritillary collection. But unlike this year, it was a late spring. And the snowdrops in the garden were still out. And I just couldn't believe it. I was absolutely gobsmacked. And all the differences in the flower shapes and everything was just amazing. So that sort of woke me up a bit because I also saw the, the snowdrop Primrose Warburg, which is a yellow one. And yes. I was staggered to know that there was a yellow one. And then I think it was the same summer Plant Heritage in Norfolk had dear Richard Hobbs doing a talk on propagating bulbs, which we went to. And of course he propagated a snowdrop. Yes. <laughs> I thought, oh, I'll have a go at that. <laughs> well, I've never done any of that chipping, but I did see the first, um, I did see Primrose Warburg as it became, as it was named, in Primrose's garden oh, in spring 97 and it was against the house wall with a label saying PC and people think that thought that might be Phil Cornish but it wasn't yeah. it was somebody else and it was decided to name it after her but I remember seeing it because it was such a perfect day and the Cornish mass was out quite close by and little bits of the flower had come down and surrounded this lovely yellow snowdrop and sort of framed it I was terribly lucky to get there 
Oh, yes. It's special, isn't it, when you do things like that? Because we I don't think we went last spring when you came over for the lunch at um, Raveningham. Yes. But, um, we used to go to Orchard House as well, which is where Lady Priscilla Bacon retired to. And oh. there we saw where Priscilla Bacon was found. And it's always a bit special for us nuts. <laughs> And Alan, I think Brian's alluded there to something that I've lost you so many Saturdays when we used to work together on the radio. I would lose Alan in snowdrop season to a snowdrop lunch. You know, you yes. go off to Raveningham Hall or something. And it's it's a whole part of, um, of the process of collecting snowdrops. People might not know about Alan, this sort of wonderful social scene. Yeah, well, of course, we used to go to um, John Morley's house. And John is a, a great galanthophile aficionado and he has a lovely garden. Um, and it's in um, it's in North Suffolk, in actual fact. And we used to start the morning there, and we'd arrive for coffee, and we'd have coffee and chocolate biscuits in this lovely, warm, lovely, very stylish house, I have to say. Yes. And then we'd go, and we'd, we'd walk through the snowdrop wood, and we'd just look at them all and slava and drool, <laughs> yeah. um, enjoying ourselves enormously. Um, and, of course, we were... We were waving pound notes away all the time because we were just making notes because we knew that John was going to send out his list, which he has uh, this year as well. And of course, I have to say that, yes, I have bought a few, not, not as many as I perhaps normally do, <laughs> because it's just one of those things. Once it takes hold of you, it took hold of me, I suppose, maybe in the 1980s, the late 1980s. And um it coincided with a, a visit, a private visit to Anglesey Abbey when Richard Ayres was head gardener there. Yeah. And Richard lived at the village of Lode. Um, and we've probably all been to see Richard's garden when he had snowdrops in it and all the rest of it. And I was a complete, absolute non-believer, non-converted person to, towards the various types of snowdrops in those days. And I went along to see Richard's garden. And he said, I'll tell you what, he said, um, what are you doing next Tuesday? And I said, well, I don't know why. He said, well, if you'd like to come to Anglesey Abbey, I'll show you something secret, but make sure you bring a few, a few brown paper bags with you. Ooh. And I Ooh, said, okay. An invitation. Yeah, yeah, what an invitation. <laughs> and, uh, anyway. Is it in case you hyperventilated? <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. I've been ventilating already. I've thought of it. <laughs> I went to this. I went to join Richard together with my friend Val, who was a great friend of his as well, who also came armed with a few brown paper bags, and we embarked along this kind of edge of a spinney. There's a kind of ditch and yeah. another hedge on the other side of it, and we went along there. And, and Richard said, "And this is so and so. No labels. Of course, he knew them all. This is so and so. What do you think of that?" I said, "Very nice. Would you like one?" <laughs> and out came a little fork, loosened the soil underneath, and very gently he teased the bulb out of the soil without wrenching away too many roots and put it in a bag. And he said, now make sure you write on that bag the name and all the rest of it, so which, which is what I did. And really that's how I, I became enchanted with the difference between one snowdrop and another, the various name varieties. And since then, of course, as, as well, Brian knows only too well, because he tempted me the other day. <laughs> I was on the radio and he sent me a photograph and I said, that's very nice. Will you have a few? Um, if you're a good boy, you might get one. <laughs> <laughs> you have to be very good. It's the people. That are so special in yes. and, yeah. and when we used to have the London shows at the Vincent Square in February, it was yeah, like a cultural who's who. And you've yeah. got yeah. these wonderful people. Uh, and it was just 
the people are just wonderful. Yeah, still the people, you know, I've got snowdrops in the garden that were given to me by various yeah. people who are no longer with us, like David Quinton and John Finch and goodness knows who else. And, you know, you think, oh, that's special. Yes, yeah. it's lovely. It's also a little bit more than that, isn't it? Because I think we become custodians of those snowdrops yeah. as well. Yeah. Because, you know, we, we make sure that they keep going and we pass them around to other people. Um, and so then they will live on. I mean, even after we've gone. I love it when you go in the garden and I've got quite a lot of my really special ones on raised beds because the drainage isn't so good here. And they do, they do better. And, and you can say, well, you know, that's Joe Sharman there. That's Phil Cornish there. That's Matt Bishop there. Uh, and, you know, you know the people. And uh, that, that is one of the lovely things about growing snowdrops. And, of course, the people that have gone before, like Ruby Baker oh, and Margaret yeah. Cohen. Yeah. I thought it was quite interesting when we went to John Morley's garden, who's the snowdrop aficionado that I mentioned earlier in the programme, um, he actually grows all his young stock in raised beds. And these are either some summer seedlings, summer chips and all the rest of it. But I mean, they are grown in raised beds, presumably in a gritty soil, presume, presumably to keep them um, from rotting. Yes. yes, because his ground is very, very wet. I mean, he quite mm. often, you know, the, the water table is just below the surface of the ground there. Right. Well, my, my gardens is a sloping garden, a third of an acre, but it goes down to a spring, which is why it's called Spring Cottage. And when I came here, I made the woodland garden at the bottom of the garden. And if I'd known what I know now, I would have made it at the top of the end of the garden. In fact, I, there's a fruit cage there and I have ambitions. I'm, I'm sort of almost making the whole garden a woodland garden, much against David's wishes. This <laughs> <laughs> is yeah. an interesting point, because I suppose, um, Val, it doesn't sound like your, your significant other, your best beloved is necessarily a galanthophile. Alan, how much is Graham into <laughs> snowdrops? <laughs> Don't even ask. <laughs> Joe's favorite thing, he says two things when I have snowdrop visitors. He says, they're all the same, because he knows it will annoy me. And then he mentions the national collection of white labels. <laughs> really <laughs> So how much is David a fan of the snowdrops, Brian? Well, he's more of a fan than he lets on. You see, David really enjoys photography, which is why we've got some very nice photos of snowdrops. So he does the photographing. And when we go to all these meetings and what have you, Val will know what I'm going to say now. We went to Rod Leeds for a snowdrop lunch once and he showed me Ursula Buchan's, Buchan's book. Yes. And I thought, oh, that's very sensible because all these people are in the generation that's now gone. Oh, yes. And I've never met them. And, you know, they're just names to me and I'd like to know a bit more about them. Being a teacher, you have to know everything, of course. Yes, yes. And, um, and so I then said to David, when we were going to Snowdrop talks and things like that, oh, that's Phil Cornish, you better have a photo of him. Oh, that's <laughs> Val Bourne, you better take a picture of her. <laughs> I know, I have a whole section on my computer of galanthophile pictures. And yes. I often get a call from somebody saying, have you got a picture? And, the, and John Morley asked me for a picture of... Um, Ruby, which I had, oh, and right. also a picture of Colin, which I had. The person you could never photograph was Veronica Cross. Ah, but David got one. 
Yes, point point camera to Veronica and she would either bob down to the ground or go behind a shrub. (laughs) We were at John Morley's and of course he'd got the long lens. I shouldn't be telling um, Alan (laughs) because he'd known He's got the long lens on, so he takes candid photos of people at the snowdrop. Yes, I know. It's like a galanthophile paparazzi. Yes. (laughs) Now, I suppose, I mean, we've talked a lot about the galanthophiles. I suppose, really, we should start talking about the galanthus, especially having made Brian go through the torturous procedure of snipping lots of flowers off his plants yesterday. Well, yes. Yes. This is where I have to say that this morning I went out with a pair of scissors. Oh, wow. <laughs> I went round the garden and thought, no, <laughs> they'll have to have pictures instead. So I failed. I'm sorry. Well, I mean, I was going to lift this up earlier, which isn't, it hasn't been cut. But this one is Trump's? Primrose, uh, no, South Hay. It's, the trouble is with snowdrops, South Hayes, the trouble is with snowdrops, when you bring them indoors, the shape changes. Yes. So in the garden, South Hayes is quite slender, isn't it? Yes. When you bring her yes. in, she develops skirts. It's another reason why I don't like bringing snowdrops in, because they take on a different personality. They all lift their skirts up, apart from some, which are sort of very tightly in. But I mean, yes. some of them almost fly. This one is... I'll try and get it still. This one is a green-tipped Elwesii, mm. which was called Caucasicus. You see, it should really be like that. Yes. So that you can see the green tips. But um, Brian, I have to tell you that I had from you, I think, a couple of years ago, uh, Galantha South Hayes, and, and I have to say that it is one of the varieties that increases very freely. Oh, it does? Um, yeah, exactly. And this is where... Uh, I'm just going to make a plea for people that think sometimes that these bulbs are expensive. Um, oh, because, no. you know, they're not expensive because if you buy one and you've got five five years later, that's that's pretty good. Um, and if, you, if you're sensible about it, you'll wait until the end of June and you'll dig up your little clump and you'll place them a little bit further apart so they make more bulbs and then you get a bigger clump. Um, I think you're speaking as East Anglians when it comes to South Hayes because I actually find that quite difficult here. Because uh, we're very wet in the winter, and I don't think it likes being so wet in the winter. But also, we go quite hot in the summer because we're in the centre of England. And I've lost a lot of South Hayes after that very warm spring. And I'm I'm trying to work out whether it's Narcissus fly or whether the bulbs just didn't proliferate. So I find that snowdrops change. The ones that do well in East Anglia don't necessarily do well for me. I do very well with a lot of grey-leaved ones. You know, the ones I probably aren't, I'm not quite as fond of because they're a bit big and butch. But, um, <laughs> like kite. Yeah. I am encouraged that South Hayes might do well in East Anglia because uh, while I am still resisting getting any snowdrops, it isn't starting. I am not going down that slippery slope. I'm starting but- it for you. <laughs> <laughs> Green tear because you've always liked green tear. And I I've have. Got it's a strong one, green tear. I mean, I've I've only got three left because every time anybody comes to the garden, they want it, and it's one of those snowdrops that proliferates and puts a gap between itself and the next snowdrop, which some of them do, and then you feel you've got to dig it up for people. So. <laughs> 
all the people I've given it to have actually got better clumps than I have. So. <laughs> I, um, I do remember, Alan, it must have been was it two years ago, a snowdrop event at yours. And obviously I, this year has fallen, you know, fallen to the pandemic. But whenever I was at your snowdrop day, South Hayes was definitely one of the ones that really, really stood out. And yeah. I somehow managed to resist buying it, which I, I think I deserve a medal for. Um, <laughs> but it, I'm glad to know that in East Anglia, <clears throat> I, I may have success when I eventually succumb. I hope it wasn't on my stall you resisted buying it. For <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I did so well I that was day. I very, very interested to write up a garden in the Telegraph, and it was Joe Hines's garden at Charity oh, in uh, on Dartmoor. And of course, she's got acid soil. And yeah. it's amazing that she does really, really well with a lot of the green leaf snowdrops. Because you always imagine snowdrops are limestone lovers, but actually, she grows them really well. Well, I think when Joe did his talk about um, the colour in snowdrops, Joe Sharman. Yes. He said that the yellow ones, um, oh, I'm going to get it wrong, I'm sure. But I think it's because they can't take up a certain mineral yeah. from the soil. And so on clay, more clay soils, mm. yellow ones do better. I and struggle with a lot of the smaller yellows, do. like Sanders I. Right. Yes. But I've always thought perhaps it was too wet here. But when I went to Primrose Hill in Lucan in Ireland, where they have masses of rain, I went into the garden and they had a big, tall galvanised tub about six foot long and about three foot wide, an old sort of cattle trough type thing raised off of the ground, probably about three feet high, absolutely wall to wall with Sanders eye. Oh, yeah. well, that's that's about as yellow I can go. I can't get much more yellow than that one, or those two, I should say, because there are two there. That one is Dryad Gold Sovereign. Yes. And that one is Dryad Gold Medal, two from Anne Wright's Breeding, which has produced an awful lot of yellow snowdrops so far. Um, I don't think I cut any others. I was going to cut a La Lady Elphinstone, but I forgot. <laughs> she's very low down so I, I probably overlooked her <laughs> my best yellow is Sarah Dumont actually is it I think the thing about yellows is um that you have to put them in a brighter light yes they, they, if you they like the sun yes they do like, like the sun more than the others Belvedere gold is perfectly happy in woodland conditions I find because yes. it really is in shadow whereas the lovely clump of golden fleece, <laughs> which talking about prices was about 300 pounds for the bowl. But wow. two years later, that clump is worth 3,900. Yes, it's a strong one. And yes. I think it was very well named, golden fleece, emphasis oh, yes. on the fleece. <laughs> Because yes, one was on eBay for a huge sum. It yeah. was something like thirteen hundred pounds or thirteen hundred ninety, I think. Huge yeah. amount. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've got three flowers on mine. I'm very pleased. It's been in um, a year, I think, and it's produced three flowers, and it's bulking up. And it will next year because mine had, I think, two flowers last year, and Thordis has got the picture. This year, I think there are thirteen. <gasps> 
I guess I enlarged the picture, Brian. I was so intrigued. I enlarged the picture, and there was a one bud sort of hidden behind one of the one of the flowers at the back. So there's fourteen in actual fact. So there may not be fourteen bulbs because <laughs> do produce more uh, than one yeah. scape from a bulb. So we should see when I have a look. You have to be very careful because people come to the garden, and I always remember I had a wonderful clump of lapwing, and it had about twenty oh. flowers on it. I and these little cornishes, a lovely sort of inner mark. It's a liar mark, uh, mm. I suppose you'd call it. It's a lovely thing, and it has real poise in the garden. And somebody said, could I have one? And I thought, well, I'd have to dig one up. So I dug one up. Enormous bulb with about seven stems on it. Oh, and immediately the rest went backwards. Yeah. So sometimes you, you think you've got a lot of bulbs because you've got a lot of flower, but actually you haven't. I never, ever dig snowdrops up when they're growing. Mm, you're very good. Very, so really, I can mm. remember Richard saying that when they had yaffle, they took mm. it down to the RHS halls to be judged. He, he dug it up, put it back and it all gone. Didn't yes, it, I've it, had it, trouble with yaffle actually just disappearing. I've yeah, got I've one bulb left and I think two years ago I had about 30 flowers. I well, think it could be Narcissus fly. So Narcissus fly, is it is it obviously a problem with Galanthus? It is. And last spring was such a glorious spring. They emerged early. And um, I always remember reading about Alec Gray, the bulb breeder who gave us all the miniatures like Tater Tate and oh, so many sun disc, jumbly. You know, he, he was a cut flower grower and he wanted to produce early flowers and he came up, all his uh, flowers were miniatures and they were no good for the cut flower, but they're absolutely wonderful. And he writes in his book about being out one sunny afternoon um, between 10 and about two with a badminton bat and swatting 400 narcissus flies. And they're rather like bumblebees uh, and they make a high pitched whine which is very good if you've got good hearing. But I, I was a premature twin and I've got terrible hearing. My father called me cloth ears, so I can't hear them. And I, I think they did a lot, quite a lot of damage last year. And what they do is that if they fly over and drop the eggs like dam busters. Now it's said that they only drop their eggs if they can smell damage on the bulb underneath. Which is interesting, but I can't prove that that's right. But I do definitely have areas where they disappear. I don't think it can be right because John Morley um, goes around swatting them above the beds that are growing the chips on. Well, they're yes. not damaged bulbs, are they? Well, I don't know, but I do know one thing. They are much more prevalent in sunny spots than they are in shady spots. Mm -hmm. And when Beth Chateau was bulking up, Narcissus Cedric Morris, she had the pots in a very sunny area and she lost most of her stock to Narcissus fly in one year. So she always advised people to put the bulb in shade. Yeah. And it doesn't actually like being in shade as much as it does in sun, but it's more protected from Narcissus mm -hmm. fly, if that makes sense. Well, the other thing is swift moth, isn't it, Val? Yeah, because I don't... I moth is very simple. I, I planted the front garden here, which is very small, with fairly ordinary snowdrops, but, you know, different ones like um, primroses by the gate and things like that. Yes. And um, 
the swift moth must have flown right through the middle of the bed because <laughs> all the ones in the middle have you got herbaceous in amongst them um, the whole garden and asters um, apparently are very bad for swift moths right. and not to swift moths I, and I'm actually taking up a clump of astrantia uh, to make way for a philadelphus and um, I don't mind taking up astrantias because I know that they do harbour swift moth and uh, actually um, my, my garden is all about snowdrops but don't tell, yeah. don't tell him that. <laughs> Mark Brown, who was the Galantis National Collection holder in France, wasn't he? Yes. He yeah. said that um, geraniums also <clears throat> are attractive to swift moths, the smell of the geranium leaves. Oh, that's interesting. So I took an awful lot of them out. I mean, I had a lot of geraniums. Is this hardy geraniums? So yes, it's not Yes. <laughs> I do love the idea of galanthophiles just standing above their snowdrops with like one of these electric rackets ready to defend well, them. I know that Richard Bushford does it and he makes yes. little covers, little mesh covers right, on tripods yeah. for his very special ones. And I'm thinking that that's what I've got to do over my specials because I've got, uh, I've got quite a lot of really special things here. And mm. um, I'm thinking, you know, I probably should try and cover them in some way. There's a market opportunity here for somebody who can make <laughs> mesh cloches for galanthophiles. Yes, yes. <laughs> but they have to be smart. Yes. Oh, well, I don't the know they have to be smart for me. <laughs> <laughs> Safety is the main concern. <laughs> We've been introduced to a couple of the flowers that are festooning your room, Brian. What would you like to show us oh, next? Well, um, when Richard did his chipping. Richard is is um is this custodian. Yeah. Or Hobbs. No, no, Richard, Richard Hobbs. Yeah, He's sorry. custodian of a plot of land which is near Norwich, which was used by a very strange character called Hayrick Greaterex. <gasps> Not only did he have a strange name, but he was a really odd man. And he is the first person who was breeding snowdrops in the country. So Norfolk has a uh, claim to fame there. And he crossed the single Galanthus nivalis, which everybody thinks is native to England, but undoubtedly isn't, and the double form. And he raised lots of them, which were called the Shakespeare ladies. So the Greater X plot to me is quite an exciting place to be. And we've been fortunate enough to go round the Greater X plot with Richard a couple of times, uh, once in 2009, and we found some different snowdrops. I took my friends David Quinton and John Finch with me, who were up for the day, and they each found one, and I found one too. And that's why I was showing you this picture very first thing, because this is one that we found there. And you can notice that it's got once what people would normally say stem, which is a scape. And from the top of the scape, you've got two flowers rather than just the one. So it's a snowdrop twin. And we name it, it's, it's very reliable. Um, as soon as it's a mature bulb, it always has two, two flowers like that. 
and I named it after a few years with Richard's permission and I called it Saraband and that drawing is by Frida Cox from her book and I called it Saraband to remember that it was from the place which was Snowdrop Acre and it was found by Richard and Brian and David. Unfortunately, I couldn't get John in as well. So that had to be missed out. So Silent day. So that's a Norfolk snowdrop. And can I say something about Greater X? Yeah. Have I, can yeah. I? Can I? Um, Greater X actually was uh, came from a very um, um, well-to-do family. Yes. And, um, Yes, and uh, his Hertfordshire house was uh, eventually yeah. bought by David Beckham and uh, in Beckingham Towers. It's Hertfordshire, I believe, isn't it? I can't remember yeah. the real name of that house. But when um, the Snowdrop book was coming out in the early 1990s, um, nobody knew what H.A. Greatorex's um, Christian name was. And Ruby came into the um, London mm. show and said... I know what H.A. Greatorex's name is. And all our jaws dropped, our first name, the first name. And we were over, we went over to the cafe and we said, well, you know, tell us what it is, Ruby. And she said, oh, she said, I'm not telling you. She said, you'll have to buy the book. We <laughs> had to wait for the book to get this astonishing name of Hayrick, H-E-Y-R-I-C-K, from the book. Anyway, that's my story. That's my Greatorex story. Sorry about that. Yeah, I think he, his, his father or grandfather um, was actually the organist at somewhere like St Paul's Cathedral. Yes, he went to a very posh school, but I can't remember yes. which one. One I of the top public remember. schools. I can't remember. Mm. He was a very odd man. He lived in a sort of um, what you might call a bungalow, except it was based on a railway carriage. It was a very strange affair, apparently. And nobody <laughs> yeah. can find a picture of him, which we're desperately trying to do. Oh, interesting. <clears throat> Another one who likes to hide behind shrubs, perhaps. <laughs> yeah. He must um, have Carry on, Brian. Sorry. Go on. <laughs> no, no, you carry on, because otherwise we'll run out of time. And you'll cut those snowdrops for nothing, and they'll be on my conscience. No, no. <laughs> one of the differences that you will find in snowdrops is that some of them have outer petals and inner petals which are virtually the same length and this is called peculiform or pocoliform I should say it properly pocoliform and it refers to the shape of a cup which I presume is if you turn it upside down I never entirely understood it and this is one that was found in Linford which is also in Norfolk by another Norfolk galanthophile I suppose you'll call him now um, Guy Jack Barker, who Alan knows. And so this is a Linford Pock. And when it's not in the sun, you see it's very, try and get it down there. It's very yeah. nice how it hangs. Mm. It's almost like a bell, which I think is very, very nice. So, and also going back to the Greater X plot, I was very lucky because. I have become a snowdrop immortal, as Val probably knows, because Joe Sharman and Richard found a snowdrop at the Greater X plot, which they hadn't got a name for, and they asked me if they could name it for me. So I was dead chuffed. Oh. <laughs> when, when, we had, 
embarrassed. When Very we, embarrassed. We had the Immortals lunch at Avon Bulbs, which I wrote up. All the people went there. Yvonne Hay, Ronald McKenzie, all the people. Uh, Veronica Cross was there. Carolyn Alwes was there. All the people that had snowdrops named after them. And there's a picture on the internet. Um, you, can, you can look it up. And um, Alan Street named his snowdrop Alan's Treat rather than Alan apostrophe S and Treat. So they wouldn't let him be in the picture. And it was quite funny. There was a big debate about whether he should be in the picture and he was cast aside. Oh. So I took a picture of him with his Alan's Treat at the lunch because it, it, it was deemed not to be his name. <laughs> I so think that's right. If you name a snowdrop, or get a, make sure you, you, you stick to your name. Oh, yes, I love Alan's treat. <laughs> I love Alan's treat. Yeah, and I mean, it's the markings on it, which are so fine. Yes. And, and it it's a very so well in the garden, doesn't yeah. it? It's like Alan. It's upright, dapper and slim. Yes. I say that and with jolly. no jealousy. And very jolly. Sounds like yeah. it could have been named after our Alan. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it does. <laughs> I am beginning to wonder why I've done this to myself, though. This is this is yes. trying to resist snowdrops, sitting with three galanthophiles, one of whom has cut some of the most exquisite snowdrops in their garden, isn't really the way to do it. <laughs> and this one, <gasps> you don't often look at it from underneath because it's such a short one. Yes. But it is. Val? Well, I think it's Godfrey Owen, but there's of course Godfrey it's Godfrey Owen. Well. <laughs> I, I love Godfrey Owen. It's Godfrey Owen. Yes, Godfrey Owen. Um, I, and you know, I talk to lots of galanthophiles when I'm writing, and you ask them what their favourite snowdrop is, and Godfrey Owen comes up again and again and again, and um, Diggory does, which is another yeah. East Anglian one with a sort of yes. bulbous bottom, and um, not that that. Um, Casting aspersions on the person who found it, please. Uh, Mrs. McNamara, which is the Irish one, and yes. apparently I've just found out that came from Limerick. She was Dylan Thomas's oh, grand uh, mother-in-law. Mother-in-law, mother-in-law, yeah. Mother-in-law, yes. And her, I wrote about it, and a relative wrote to me and said, "No, it, it came from Limerick." So I've got more information on that. And Godfrey Owen uh, and A.E. Bowles. So the same ones come up again and again and again. And Godfrey Owen. Oh, you must have that for this. It, it is a wonderful snowdrop. I'm just yes. trying to find what I've done. With, I don't think I can have picked her. <laughs> no, well, I I've got her, but she doesn't do the right thing. <laughs> what, Mrs. Mack? Margaret, oh no, Margaret, uh, Margaret Starr, sorry. Mrs. Mack is a wonderful snowdrop because she's always out um, Margaret Starr has to settle down. Like all the bulbs that are very special in the snowdrop world, they really have to have a mature bulb to do their thing properly. Yes. yes. I mean, I, I saw the original clump at John Morley's. I mean, we're very fortunate because John's a dear friend. And we're in a normal year, we'd be going once a week or even more perhaps at this time yes, of the year. Yes. So I'm really missing it. Um, yes. We saw the original clump that he had of Margaret Starr, and it was stunning. It really was a massive snowdrop. And it's called Margaret Starr because it has, when it's mature, five outer petals rather than the six of Godfrey Owen. But when it's young, it has three 
and then it grows up a bit and it's a teenager and it has four and eventually you do get five so well, you, I'm have hoping. you have to be patient yeah, and I'm, feed it of course i'm so known for my patience yeah. <laughs> but you have to feed them of course because people think they're like hedges that they should never be fed and i feed can... mine all the time yeah okay yes. well that's something that i mean let's assume that a huge amount of people who are watching this probably are in the galanthophile category but if there are aspiring galanthophiles and they want to know how to get the best out of their bulbs what what should they be doing on the food regime front then brian well uh, generally at this time of the year i will water them with a, a liquid seaweed based fertilizer at half strength and i say half strength because i water them quite a lot at this time of the year um just to sort of keep them going and build bulk up mm. the bulbs. Um, yeah. I also, when I repot, I give them um, sulfate of potash, which will build the bulb up. And people will probably poo-poo it. But I also, when I repot, give them rock dust because I think it has traces of minerals that the roots will take up. And my yellows are getting better since I started doing it. So I think that's a good thing to do. Mm. I, I approve of all that. I have a slightly different way of doing it, that at this time of year, um, although I'm organic, I do put Vitax Q4 on my snowdrops, which is a high potash feed. But then when they start to lose their flower and go into leaf, I go on to a nitrogen rich, um, 6X, um, which I sprinkle around because that keeps them in leaf longer. And I think that's the secret with all woodlanders is to keep them into uh, keep them in leaf as long as possible. But I also buy uh, seaweed food to water on. But there's a problem because when I come to use it, the best beloved has used it all up in the previous summer. <laughs> <laughs> seaweed on them yet. But this could be the year. <laughs> Oh, wonderful. Uh, I do love that. I mean, Alan, I, I, it's one of my favourite things when we do these podcasts to see Alan Gray making notes. And I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Couple of notes here. <laughs> I don't know exactly how many of the snowdrops we've talked about so far you've been writing down. Do you have a lot of them or are there any that are gradually getting onto your wish list, Alan? Um, well, I've, I've made a couple of notes here. Saraband, I'd like to get, Brian, to add to your list. And the other one is Margaret Starr. And whilst we're talking about snowdrops from our dear friend Brian here, I just have to say that he's one of the most generous men that I know. And in actual fact, a lot of snowdrop dealers, when you buy a bulb, you will get a bulb. And you're more than likely not to get just a bulb with Brian, but you're, like, you're likely to get a teenager and a juvenile in there as well. And you so know why? Well, I know why, because you said to me one day, well, there are only bulbs, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> They are. They're only bulbs <laughs> and they increase. Yeah. And also, they like company. They yes. don't like to be on their own and they will grow better if you've got two or three of them. And it's much nicer to, to buy a plant and the next year you've got a little clump. Yes. I, I use those square lily pots um, for anything very special and I mix up gritty compost. And just to start them off, I put them in square lily pots 
um, because we used to have a cat. And if you put a new snowdrop in, um, she seemed to have radar if it was an expensive one. And she would go and scratch it up. So I started using these baskets. And I've got a I've got Amy Doncaster in one of these um, oh, wonderful. baskets. And um, I didn't get to split her up because she's under a rose bush. And she's come up like a Vesuvius of bulbs. There must be 80 or 90 Amy Doncasters in this one pot. But Nothing. you know, she doesn't seem to mind it. Even the bulbs that are at the top are flowering. But I have made a big note to say to myself, you must, in July, get under that rose bush and split that, those poor bulbs up. <laughs> they love being crammed in. Yeah, but when they, when they are vigorous, they're rather like nerines or nerines, however you say yes. it. And they push their bulbs to the top and the bulb is sitting above the soil and the roots are just touching into the soil. Yes, it's and amazing. And that with me, I mean, it's just so prolific. Yes, they do like, quite a lot of them do like being crammed in. Yeah. And Bowles, yeah. E.A. Bowles, that famous galanthophile, oh. used to say, um, you know, stir them up, split them up. I actually, if they're happy, and I record the number of flowers every year, I'm such a nerd, that I go <laughs> around and say 20 flowers. And then if I go the next year and there's only seven, I think I must do something. But if there's 30 flowers, I think, leave it alone. It's doing well yeah. on its own. Uh, you know, I don't do them routinely. And I don't well, anything. Talking about the snowdrop EA bowls, that's the only one that I've had um, com a complete disaster with. I started off with about three flowers and then I think I had one and then the, but the whole lot disappeared. And I don't know whether it was swift moth or narcissus fly, but I suspect it was one or the other. But when I investigated, the bulbs were quite uh, squishy and black. Can you tell yes. me what it is? Well, I don't know, because, I mean, I find bulbs like that. And I've just had a clump of, um, the, uh, called Hans Gluck something, and I dug up the bulbs and they were brown. And that's definitely when you've got brown stained bone. That's a fungal thing called staggy, staginous. Uh, really bad news for an organic gardener like me. So I was, I dig them up and then I bed them out singly. And I have what's called a sick bay. I have two symptoms. One up. I have a hospital. And I put them in there, and they either do or they don't. And if they survive two or three years and look healthy, I bring them back into the sort of proper garden again. So it could be uh, a fungal rot. Um, I've also found bulbs like that that I think have been suffered with narcissus fly. It's very, very hard to tell. Mm. But um, have you still got a EA bowls? No, I've lost it. Well, I, I have to send you one. Thank in, you. So but I won't much. dig it up now. I will dig it up. And if I forget, Alan, please, please um, <laughs> nag me because you say <laughs> these things and then you don't always write them down and you forget. Well, true. But I've got two clumps and um, they're doing well for me. An EA bulb is one that does well in quite damp places here. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, it's not, it's one of the better it's ones. Maybe. Maybe it didn't like my dry soil because we are quite dry here. Yeah. Plicates, yeah. It's a plicate snowdrop, which means it's got wide green leaves, central midrib, pale midrib, yep. and that little pleat underneath, uh, yep. right at the base, which is why it's plicate pleated. And all those plicates, in my opinion, prefer a damper, cooler site. Yes. Right. You in my garden. Quite least. right. I think you're quite right on that. Because I was going to say EO bowls really does like a, a moist situation and it yes. will grow enormously well there. And 
I've put it in the best bit I can. <laughs> yes, well, it's it's the wonderful thing, you know, really globular, stately. Um, you know, it's, it, mine are not as stately as they usually are, and I think that's a dry spring. It's a good tip actually to look at the foliage of your snowdrops when you buy them. The hybrids are quite strong, but when you look at Elwesii with its grey foliage, if you buy a plant, an ordinary herbaceous plant with grey foliage, you put it in sun, don't you? Well, that's yes. the same with the, with the grey leaf snowdrops. They, they will tolerate a bright position, mm. much better than the plicates. Right plants, right place. That's the yes. whole thing, isn't it? Time seems to be hurtling on a pace, and I feel like there are yet more snowdrops surrounding Brian that we haven't talked about. <laughs> yes, yes, I must shut up. Sorry, Brian. Um, I must just show this one, because we've already mentioned Joe Hines at Higher Cherry yes. Beer. And so I ought to show you this, which is wind flying turbine. away, yes. which is her wind turbine. Actually, it was given to her, wasn't it, from somebody in the village who said they'd got a snowdrop by the gatepost. And was she interested? Right. Oh, I didn't know that. I, I yeah. knew it was associated with her. Yeah, so mm. she went to see them and they very kindly said, oh, you can, you can have it. <laughs> yes. So she took one or two and she's since bred uh, another couple uh, and named them after Daisy and, is it Jake? I think son? so, her children, yeah. yes. Yeah. But I haven't seen those. I've got wind turbine, but it's not very weather resistant for me. We're very cold here and exposed. And I was also cold. going to say that I think this year, Val, they're all short. Yes, I've had a lot of trouble with Primrose Warburg. I've, it's very miserable. Yeah. Yellow, which is normally lovely here. Well, I thought I'd better um, pick up a variety of things. So this is another one, which is what is called a spiky. Is it Albra Claw? No, no, no. no. Uh, the Arbora Claw, please. <laughs> oh, so sorry. Correct pronunciation. <laughs> <laughs> It's like, I hate it when people say Sam Arnold. You can tell he was a teacher. <laughs> yeah. um, but this, this tiny little thing is from Anglesey Abbey. It's Anglesey double spiky. I don't think it gets much longer than that, whereas the Arbor Claw can get twice that length and more. Mm, which is not here, sadly. <laughs> so that's a different shape. You know, um, Amy Doncaster got very cross with Roy Lancaster when he called um, S.R. not Sam R. not. And apparently she was wearing her carpet slippers and with her stick and she jumped up and down and waved her stick at him. How wonderful. <laughs> His wife wouldn't have been as, I don't know what quite the phrase it was. His wife wouldn't have been as familiar as that. It's <laughs> she said. She still gave him a bulb. Now this one, and this is why I've got a black jumper on you can see those sticking up they're like bunny ears aren't they oh yes so this is a charlockii and this is green tips and a nice green mark as well this is uncle oscar which is one, one. one from rudy bar that's extraordinary i think uncle oscar could come your way val Oh, thank you. Because I, I have one that Colin gave Just writing it down. Jardin, and it's got three bunny's ears. Oh, right. Yeah, well, that's it was given to me by Colin. It's bulking up, but not probably Lovely. enough to do very much with it at the moment for a couple of years. 
um, I've got so many, I had to actually write them down because I knew I was going to get in a muggle. But they all look so different indoors. They do, they're not at all the same. I thought I'd better show you that some have very long pedicels. This is the pedicel here, and they hang nicely, and lots of them are called something dancer. But I think this is the original, which is Percy Picton, named after the breeder of asters, or Michaelmas daisies, I should say, shouldn't I? Brian. <laughs> Well, yeah, well, no. Bartlett's got quite a long one as well. And those ones with long pedicels, they move and dance in the wind. And that's why lots of them are called something dancer, aren't they? Yes, yes. And then there's also, I think this is the one. This is another one that's got two pedicels and it's a dancer. But it's actually, I think this one, hmm. This must be from one drop or two which is a most peculiar drop. Yes, it's from Avon, isn't it? It's from Wonder Avon. I rather like it because it's, ex yes, it is one drop. Yes. yes, I've got that. But again, in the garden, it doesn't fly, so it doesn't look. And there you see, can you see the... Oh, yes, the split ovary. The, no, it's not a split ovary, Val. It's a, a split receptacle. You I'm can't sorry. see people's ovaries. <laughs> Richard Hobbs always says you can't see ovaries, it's the receptacle <laughs> that they're in. <laughs> so that's another difference um, that you can spot. You know, I thought I knew how varied snowdrops were, but this is, this is astonishing. Oh, they're this a, is a terrific variety. And, and what happened was, um, they, <laughs> when they brought the different species in, Nivalis and Placatus and Elwesii, um, they hybridized, and that's what caused the variety when the and that's, all, and that's why greater, the greater X plot at Snowdrop Acre has got such a diversity of snowdrops mm. because for over 70 years now they've all been doing their own thing, being moved yes. about by rabbits and breeding and all sorts of things. What was that one you just had, Brian? That is just. <clears throat> Well, this is another one that comes from Anglesey Abbey, which is in Cambridgeshire. And this is the most perfect double because it is so nice. It's Aylwin, named after Sir Aylwin Borton. Yes. Okay. Melanie Borton, Aylwin Borton. Yes. So that, that's named after Lord Fairhaven, who has wonderful collection also, not just at um, Anglesey Abbey, but also at Kirtling Tower, which oh, is yes, another... Oh, yes, Kirtling Tower. Tower. I bought that at a sale. It's doing... Yes, that's a, lovely, a dear little thing, that yes. is, isn't it? It's, got it's such a, a tall stem with a little, almost like a little bell on top. Yeah. But Brian's going to correct me and say it's not a bell. <laughs> no, no, I don't... Would I dream of correcting oh, that? Oh, look. This a delicate one, darling. Now, this is how things like South Hay should look when they're outside, because this is from the stable of the wonderful late Veronica Cross. Yes. And this is Long John Silver. And I was interested to see today that this one hasn't raised its skirts, has it? No, it's got thick petals, no. hasn't it? Yeah. It weighs and it down also, a bit. It's got such a lovely shape mm. to the petal. It's quite ridged which is quite mm. nice.
but my favorite of all the trim type snowdrops, because they all were all developed from one which was called at, um, was called Trim which came from Westbury on Trim, was it, Val? Yes, it was Westbury on Trim. It was Barbara somebody, but I can't remember. Of course, it was the first pixie hat. Yes, well, this is my absolute favourite. And I, I would be devastated if I lost this. This is Trimmer. And you can see that actually on Trimmer, not only has it got a very dark mark, but near the base, because it's all upside down in the snowdrop, snowdrop world, yes. Up here, there's a very slight paler green mark as well. Mm. And it's a nice fat snowdrop, which is probably why I like it. <laughs> well, there's so many different seedlings now. I mean, um, one of the things I always do in my garden is I don't remove the seed heads. And then no. every year I go around and I look for new seedlings. And I found a green virescent seedling in my meadow bit this year, which I've marked. And then um, I've also got some trim seedlings that are a bit unusual, which I've also marked. So I look for seedlings. I never deadhead them. And so this, this, is what, this is what Val means by virescent. This is yeah. a virescent snowdrop. And this comes from Bidolf Grange, from Simon Bidolf. Uh, it's called Margaret Bidolf. It's not Bidolf Grange. I'm sorry to step in. It's Rod Martin Manor. That's right. It's very near me, so it's, yes. it's one place I always go every snowdrop time. Val just got her own back for the ovary comment, Brian. Yes, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Touché! I always get it muddled up because I know it's Simon Bidolf. And I, Simon I, I Bidolf. immediately think... Yes. Bidolf and, and which Martin one is that? Is that Margaret or Claude? This is Margaret. Or Claude think... is better. Claude is much better, but yeah. I had, a, I think the Narcissus fly got to Claude. Well, will you let me remind me and I will send you one in the summer because I've got quite a lot of Claude. I've yes. had him quite a number of years because Simon is a friend of mine, has been for a long time. So. Nice man. Yes, lots very of, reserved. Yeah. We have very few minutes left. Um, well, I must show you blueberry tart then very quickly. Yes. This is another double found by Allen Street in the town of, or village of Blueberry in the churchyard. And it's called blueberry tart because it shows its skirt. Yes. <laughs> uh, and uh, Allen Street always comes up with wonderful names. Oh, and, and he, he, he named one of them Ding Dong because at the time the Avon cosmetics advert was on yes. and you get the ding dong at the beginning of it so he named one of the snowdrops rather than Avon cosmetics ding dong so you know he, he lots of uh, lovely snowdrops there yeah. can Never i give a tip about disease that might be interesting very quick tip um if you get a disease snowdrop and john grimshaw told me this bless him um you dig up the snowdrop because you don't want it to spread and you can a diseased snowdrop doesn't look right. It's got a twist in the leaves quite often. It's not looking that happy. It's probably got brown tips on the leaves. You're sort of thinking, is it? Well, dig it up is my advice. Always dig them up so it doesn't spread. And then in the hole, you put another sort of plant. It might be a primrose. It might be a cyclamen. And that stops you putting a, another snowdrop in the same hole uh, and possibly seeing that one as well. An excellent tip, that. 
Thank you. Brian, in, in our final couple of minutes, are there any others that you want to have their moment in the spotlight before we say goodbye? My favourite snowdrop my, and of my, all my snowdrops is Green of Hearts, which uh, is a tall snowdrop. It's got a heart-shaped green mark, but it comes up um, through um, a maidenhair fern that doesn't die down in my garden. That's it. And it, again, it's spread a little wider. In the garden, it would be a bit tighter. And yep. it comes up and it gets to about a foot high and it comes through this, uh, the remnants of a maidenhair fern. And you know, it's wonderful. I should never ever separate it from its maidenhair fern because it's thoroughly entangled in it. It's just my favorite thing every year. What, what we really haven't talked about, I know we're gonna to come to an end, is the inner marks on snowdrops. Yes. Because they're all different. And this yeah. one is Washfield Colesbourne. Much easier than Colesbourne. Yeah. And then there's there's lots with faces like that. Can you see mm. that face? Yeah. I don't know which one that is. Um, I'll tell you no. in a second. Oh, yes. no, it's not that. It's um... <laughs> It's because they look different. We're not being dumb. <laughs> Come inside, they go. Yes. And they've got whoopee cushions underneath them. Yes. Well, I know we'll what this tells us is we need to do it all again next year. We need to have... Yeah, I'm not picking them all again. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I failed. I don't think I'll do any better next year. And I do thank Brian for picking his, because I, I really was, you know, I'm going to send pictures. We are eternally grateful. We knew that this would be a riot. We knew it would probably be longer than any other podcast, but it has been as much fun <laughs> as we anticipated. Uh, what a treat. Thank you so much. You're very Thank well. You. It was very great fun. Yes. It's oh. lovely to see Brian because I wouldn't normally see him, uh, you know, this year. Not this year. We won't see anybody. No, we won't see anybody. <laughs> well, here's to next year and next year's snowdrop season. Thank uh, absolutely. you. And happy gardening. <laughs> Hey, Thordis here. Just to say thank you so much for listening to Talking Dirty. You are now officially our favourite person. If you really liked it, please do subscribe because we'll be back for more plant-loving mayhem next week. And as you're our new favourite person, we don't want you to miss out. If you've got a question for Alan and the experts, you can email it to hello at getgardeningnow.co.uk. So happy gardening. And we'll see you, oh favourite person, next time.